and he's covered off that response. One lap longer was not the way to go at this stage. Oh, it's Lawson. It's Liam Lawson, who has been on the podium in every single race this year. The wheel's not on. Yeah, non-connected wheel. Okie dokie, and here we are back for another episode of F24U, the show about second tier race car drivers, hosted by second tier sports analysts. And this week, a second tier racetrack. That provided some of the uh, best racing we've seen in a long time in the uh, main category over in F1, but in F2, not quite the same story. Regardless, I am your host, Jashan, one such second tier sports analyst. My fellow second tier sports analyst is Matthew. How are you today? Matthew. Mate, all I'm saying is today I am Will Smith and the Saudi Arabian track is Chris Rock. Jesus, mate. Did um the Saudi Arabian Simple track make fun of your wife? Which I know. <laughs> um, my, in, and yes, sorry. In, in this, uh, uh, Jada Pickett-Smith is logical existence of competitive motorsport. Right, I see. Okay. I do love competitive motorsport. Yeah, look, um, we're going to drive straight into the weekend over in Saudi Arabia, over at the Jeddah Corniche circuit. It was a bit all over the place, much like Giancarlo Fisichella's career, just a little bit all over the place. Whoa, whoa, that was, that was an uncalled for shot. Show some <laughs> respect. Show some respect to Fisichella's name. Mate, mate, mate he drove, he drove for eight different teams. If that's not all over the place, then I don't know what is. Mate, do you want to know why he drove for eight different teams? Because he was just such a value commodity. A commodity. Right? You, you, He's a human being. Seen, if you've never seen Giancarlo Fisichella drive, you're not you're not allowed to comment on Giancarlo Fisichella's career. Okay, right? all right. Uh, before we get into the the nitty gritty, shout out to play by play commentator Alex Jacques, who turned somewhere between thirty five to forty years old on race day. If you Google him, it is. Next to impossible. In fact, for me, I found it impossible to find out how old he actually is. So um, I'm guessing he's between 35 to 40 years old. So there Did you, you go. Did you try DMing him on Twitter? Uh, no. Try should I have? Time, I don't use Twitter. Just be like, you should, hey, you should do that. Hey, I don't follow sharks. I'd be like, hey, man, so I host a podcast, and I want to mention that you had your birthday on race day. Uh, how old is <laughs> you for historical accuracy? For historical can also, accuracy. Can we also shout out that uh, Alex Brundle Yes. back on commentary this weekend. But Martin Brundle taking the race off from the Formula One. So I, I know. Have hot new con- I have a hot new conspiracy theory that there is um, friction within the Brundle family. What? So they don't both, they don't both want to be at the Combrey weekend at the same weekend. You reckon there's so a little Ma- bit of friction there, within Alex the Brundle like, conglomerate? Nah, nah, nah. Yeah, no, nah, that's a hundred percent. But no, um, damn. Glad to have, as I said, Davida Davida Valsecchi is great fun, but I don't think I could do Davida Valsecchi on commentary every single weekend. Yeah. Uh, so nice to have the calmer, more tempered tones of uh, Alex Brundle. Back in the comms box for the Alex yeah. Squared show. He's also very intelligent, is young Mr. Brundle. 
is I think surely he gets the F one play uh, color commentator role at some point someday. I think he's he's uh, he's got that quality. I mean Jacques as well to be honest, just both of them. In any case, commentary aside. Also shout out to Callan Williams for having a personality. Allegedly he made a bet with his entire team that if he gets a podium this season, which I uh, I think might be on the cards the way he's been driving so far. Lock they are. They in. have to eat a pineapple and cherry pizza, whatever the fuck. Yeah, so I don't know. Pineapple and cherry on a pizza. Lord fucking knows what's going on over at Trident. They're a bunch of wackos. <clears throat> but now, qualifying. Now, before qualifying even started, we had Sam Bolokbasi withdraw from the weekend due to a, concu- a concussion he received. Courtesy of a crash during free practice, he's believed to be okay. He was sent to hospital, so uh, allegedly he's fine. But regardless, Charouz was down to just one car for the racing weekend. And in quali, you had just lots and lots of red flags. I think there were three. Yeah, it was three, wasn't it? Yes, 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 yes. But uh, the short of it, the long and the short of it, Felipe Drogovic takes pole, his first since Silverstone 2020. From Richard Vashore in P2, Jack Doan, P3, Marcus Armstrong, who thought he had pole before the final stint there in P4. Ralph Boschong, who may well have had pole, were it not for traffic and, and various instances of things, came in P5 ahead of Lawson, Owasa, Callum Williams, Yuri Vips, and Jake Hughes. But there was um there were quite a few, I guess, hiccups along the way there, Matthew, if you'd like to delve into the details for me. Yeah, so I, I uh, watch qualifying. I'm a, I'm a big-time hit and miss. Fucking superb effort, mate. Congratulations. So proud of you. Oh, no, but I'm, I'm a, it's hit and miss for watching F2 qualifying. It really depends how much other things in the sporting world are on on a weekend and whether or not I have 40 minutes to spare on a Saturday morning. Um, but I found, found the time this weekend, and uh, I'm glad I did because one of the... One of the weirder qualifying sessions I've ever seen, because as you said, just so interrupted, three red flags. So yeah. I think the early runners went out, and I think it was Hughes and Boschon, who I think set the early pace, definitely Boschon, I think, had the early fastest lap. Then Porsche decided, um, yeah, that his car should catch on fire. Um, Not what you really want, is it? Less than, um, especially because he was only like 19th on the timesheet at the time, and so that obviously took him out of the session, red flagged everything. Yeah. So, um, awful start to the weekend for the championship leader. We got going in. Jake Hughes, for the second weekend in a row, started to light up the timesheets. He went to the top. But Boshong was on what, honestly, for that, what would possibly, one of the most, I mean, blinding laps in recent memory. It was two purple sectors. I think he was up by, like, fucking half a second or something. He was up by a fair way. Coming around, and then Logan Sargent decided that um, walls were made to be driven into, <laughs> um, which brought out a red flag as Boshong was maybe like two turns from the start finish line. Yeah. And so that, yeah, just there, there went that lap from Boshong. And it's hard to say, but I honestly think that lap, I mean, that may have been enough to like just. Leave him there, irrespective of everything. Boshong's qualifying pace is, is immense, and he looked very good uh, in his session. But yeah, um, he got done in a couple. He of was times. he was clearly the fastest of the thing, but he'd obviously burnt a set of tires for nothing there. We got back going for the rest of it. Armstrong went out and put in a really good lap that put him to the top. 
But then we had a bit of a ghost red flag. So basically Vesti ever so slightly uh, clipped a wall and he was able to keep on going and bring it back around to the pit lane or whatever. But it triggered like, I guess the medical safety procedures or whatever yeah. on the tracks. Yeah, so they yeah, brought yeah. out the red flag because of that. Yeah, and that meant, so then we had an interesting thing where the session ended and Armstrong and Boshong, who were top two at that point, um, didn't go back on a track there on the Tars or whatever. We had a few people go back, other people go back out, amongst them Dragovic and Vashur. Dragovic put in a brilliant lap, some six-tenths faster than Armstrong. Yes. To go pole, Vashur slotted it in there, 2P2. Now, you the only other man to go doing... sub-141s, I do believe, was Richard Vashur. Mm. You mentioned doing qualified in P3, which he did all of about half an hour until uh, he did not have enough fuel left in the car to provide the required amount yeah, he got DQ'd. for a post-session sample. So he was DQ'd, putting him right down to the back, 21st out of 21 cars for the weekend. Yeah, for both races. Third, Harsh as fuck, man. Uh, Lawson up to fifth so yeah it was a a lot went on in it for a short half an hour qualifying session and yeah definitely a lot of key contenders push air doing sergeant all out of whack and obviously armstrong and boshong definitely boshong particularly a bit unlucky but brilliant brilliant laps by both dragovic and Vashaw. and Vashaw having a front row start not enough sprint race yeah. legitimately putting a trident on the front row for feature race um, really impressive to see. Trident looks so good because Williams is. We'll talk about it later. That Williams is looking really good this yeah. season as well. Trident have. I don't know what's happened. Trident have turned this ship around massively. But clearly, yeah, it was man. Marino Sato holding them back the whole time. Oh, absolutely. This is the problem. Like Duan might have talent. I mean, I'm yet to see any. But the fact is, as long as he's Marino Sato's teammate, he'll just. He's done. He's done. <laughs> He should have stuck with Trident. They're the team. He should have stuck with Trident. They got him. They got him to P two and F three. I don't know why he switched program. No, hundred percent. Yeah, and he but, and um, he and he dogged out of the Red Bull Academy for the. He's just a fucking traitorous dog, mate. In fairness, I don't Rat think Red Doohan. Bull has ever let Jack Doohan run in a Red Bull livery. Huh. A positive. He definitely he ran the HWA livery in his first season, and I'm pretty sure he just ran the Trident livery last season in F three. So. Right. Well, regardless. He's never even run the... But, uh, yes, that was qualifying. Shout that out to his dad, was... by the way, for chucking a like on our Instagram page for a Liam Lawson-related post, so... Yeah, no, I am officially endorsed by multiple-time MotoGP world champion Mick Doohan, Yeah. So, Active on Instagram, um, apparently. <laughs> am expecting a pay rise. Uh, from $0 to $0.50 cents an hour, perhaps? That works for me. <laughs> In your that's fucking about, dreams, mate. That's about a dollar. That's about a dollar per podcast. This is this is a PF, uh, this F1 is a passion podcast. of this is a project of love and passion, not of money. All right, until we actually start getting paid, and then it's all about the fucking money and, and the passion and love <laughs> out the window. But there were some other uh, penalties as well. Um, regard uh, aside from Dylan's disqualification, which is so fucking harsh. I mean. We talked about the Sebastian Vettel situation last year in Hungary where he got DQ'd from his podium finish for the exact same problem. But this, to start last in both races, is just... Oh, they really they really love their fuel over the, at the FIA. But uh, Amori Cordiel was handed a 10-place grid penalty for the sprint race for failing to overtake a stationary car correctly. 
Fred Vesti continues his trend of being shit. He got a three-place grid drop for an impeding Ralph Boschrang on a cool-down lap. Novlak, again, continuing his trend of being shit. He was given a five-place grid drop for impeding Ollie Caldwell at turn 22, and then Caldwell was given three for impeding Vips at the exact same point. Again, Ollie and Caldwell... And was also given three for impeding someone. Yes, correct. It so, was a nice little string. I liked how those three penalties that were, like, connected drivers... Yeah. Man-impeded man, man driver who impeded another driver who impeded another driver, and all three of them got penalties. It was great. Yeah, it was, it was very nice. And as such, with uh, Jack Doohan getting DQ'd... Love to see it. Hate to see it. Regardless, it meant that Dennis Hauger inherited pole there and got to... Well, inherited P10 and got to inherit pole, thusly, for the sprint race, sprint race one. So he started up there in the front row with Jake Hughes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You will respect my authority. Mate, I started the fucking hype train on Sergio Perez deserving a drive for F. You don't say I'm falling onto it. Because if you let me now have a chance... As you should know by now, only my opinion is correct. <laughs> ah, yes. Lovely. The world does revolve around me. Ah, clipped. Who who had big fucking look? Dennis Hager on pole. Fucking who gives a shit? Liam Lawson won the race. whoop fucking do This race was one of the biggest fucking jokes I have ever seen across the top category of motorsport. And just epitomizes everything that is wrong with the existence of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix on F1's broader calendar. And the fact that they're literally involved in an active conflict supporting, I believe it's the Yemeni government against Yemeni rebels or whatever. But, you know. Yeah, against Iran. So pre-existing stuff. We should never have been in that. And then the Friday, so of F2 qualifiers have that, there was a missile strike on an Aramco oil facility, Aramco being the title sponsor of the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. I believe that was only about 15 kilometers for the track. So we'll, this will probably get... This is a specific incident. I imagine if you want to hear more about this, we'll probably both discuss this on uh, the main Rear the Grid podcast. But yeah, because in the chat, there was a big discussion between the F1 teams and drivers and the FIA and that about whether or not the weekend should continue. Obviously it did. Uh, so already... Generally being in Saudi Arabia, questionable. Being in Saudi Arabia for this specific weekend after events that have gone on, even more questionable. So that. Mm. But even setting aside the geopolitical parts of being in Saudi Arabia, the actual Saudi Arabian street circuit is fucking stupid, and it is so... I said this a bit last year, and I was annoyed by it, and we pointed out, oh, it's got some real dumb things, it feels a little bit dangerous at times, and that. But these threat, like, as we've already said, Bolik Bashi had a crash at the exact same corner in a very, very similar way to what Mick Schumacher would end up much more notably and spectacularly doing in F1 qualifying. That gave Bolik Bashi a concussion, took him out for the weekend. Mick Schumacher made half of an error and had his car obliterate itself against the wall in F1 qualifying and thankfully completely unscathed and they just, you know, passed. And Haas probably could have even had him run. They made the decision not to run him to save parts so that they didn't have nothing because Haas are poor. Um, which is fair enough for that. I believe even um, then in this sprint race, the first uh, crash that happened, which was Amari Cordiel on lap two, don't know for sure, but I think that may have even been the same corner again. So, yeah, it's a thing. It's a it's a super, super high... That's the thing. It's literally like it's combined Monaco and Monza, like Monaco and Spa and that. 
but it's combined the incorrect elements of them. Because yes, Monaco is a track that has barriers super close to it and there's nowhere to go, but the average speed at Monaco is like 150 kilometers per hour rather than 250 kilometers per hour. And there is just no way you get to the ultra high speed. Like there's so many slow speed corners and that like, yeah, Monaco is just, it's such a slow circuit. And to be perfectly honest, um, Monaco shouldn't exist. It is ridiculous for modern Formula One cars and there's no way, I don't think there's any way Monaco would get approved if it was a new circuit someone was trying to bring onto the calendar. Regardless of that, where's the difference? Yes, something like Spa or Monza are fast, as fast if not faster than Saudi Arabia, but they have this magical thing called space and runoff. And obviously the one issue Spa or Rouge is noted that's been discussed as being a safety issue and that, and changes are being implemented. And those changes had been discussed and were something that was going to be brought in, I believe, pre-even the Antoine Hubert accident from a few years back and things like that. Like, you know, tracks are known. To talk talk within an Australian context, uh, Sandown Raceway is one of the most um, historic sort of tracks in Australian motorsport. Possibly my favourite active circuit, aside from maybe Bathurst. But it had spent, I think, a year off the Supercars calendar because it's chicane at the back end of its main straight just before a slow speed hairpin um has been a major flashpoint for a lot of big incidents over the last 10 or so years in supercars and it got to the point where it was like yeah this isn't safe and they completely overhauled it they put huge bits of runoff changed the barriers and everything because yeah sometimes you just have to go you know that but like to think this has been a not a purpose-built track but they've literally laid out this street so this isn't an old track this is a new design they've come up with and they've gone, yeah, this seems fine. And that, and you know, it inherently draws in accidents. More on top of that, and here's the real, real kicker to me is, there's, so it's got, from what I've heard and what I can tell, there's no, like, most tracks have, even street circuits like Monaco and that, have, like, access ways and ring roads, service roads around the outside of the track and that, so you can move around equipment and quickly that. Saudi Arabia, this circuit doesn't have any of that. And we saw just how bad that is. Because every time there was an incident, it took fucking forever to clear. So Amari Cordiel had his crash on lap two. So we'd had one and a half laps of green flag running at that point. Cordiel had that. Went around. They cleared that off reasonably quickly, I guess. But it took about four laps or whatever. We restarted on lap six. And then Dewan and Sargent crashed at the back of the restart. And I'll circle back around to that. Dewan and Sargent's cars came to rest at pit fucking entry. Like, on the way into pits, the back of the, the start of the main straight, literally as you get into pit entry, that's where the two cars were. This was an eight lap yellow flag. We did not restart the race until lap 14. We got less than 10 laps of green flag running in a 20 lap race. That is absurd without an incident that like takes legitimate closure, like, you know, like a pissing down rain to a point you can't safely drive like Spa. Or, you know, last year's feature race at Saudi Arabia being shortened because there was a cataclysmic start crash, which red flag for, like, over half an hour, and then there was a second. So, you know, neither of these were particularly massive crashes or anything. There was no safety aspects to the driver where you had to wait and make sure they were medically stable before you could remove them and start clearing away the incident. It just took forever to clear them because... It's so hard to get things in. They can't just quickly, you know, lift. Like Monaco, they literally just have crane station at that and they literally just lift the car up over the barriers. Boom, it's off the track. Let's fucking go again. None of that here. Rid 
ridiculous that it took that long and that it was just yeah there's just that thing it's got safety question marks and then clearly it's just not up to scratch this is the second time obviously i'm not holding the start line the start accident from last year's feature race at saudi arabia against the circuit that's as i said when we had that podcast it's just one of those things that happened i'm not holding the uh doing sergeant accident in this race which we'll probably discuss in a minute against the circuit either that's just one of the things that happened but you know we're two years into races here in Saudi Arabia, and we've had two races that well, one that failed to be able to go the distance because of incidents and how long that, and one that it went the distance, but it wasn't. It was very very like one more crash here, and we would have had a time of certain race, not a full lap count race. And again, less than half the laps we got were on the green, which is just crap. And then just overall on top of everything for how big of a fast this is, there was the so the Dillon and Sargent crash, which was for well, it's similar to what we saw a couple of years back in F1, where safety car restart. It's a really really long straight in Saudi Arabia, a la what we saw at the F1 at Mugello. So the leader doesn't want to go to the last possible second before the start finish line when they have to actually get back to racing speed, and so the drivers at the back of the pack come around the final corner and think, oh, you know, we're on the straight. We're probably going to be going now. They just start going, and then the cars in front of them aren't going, and it all just Constantina's up. So in this case, I don't know what Sergeant saw, because he reckoned he said on the radio they were going, and then they weren't. Didn't really look from what I saw that anyone had us, but Sergeant sort of launched, pulled up, like pulled out to the left of the train to start launching forward, realized no one in front of him was going, slammed on the brakes. Doohan, who was immediately behind Sergeant, you know, Saw Sergeant pull out and make a race move to the left and was like, all right, we're going. Followed Sergeant and then all of a sudden Sergeant slammed on the brakes and Doohan had nowhere to go. I don't, you know, because when I first saw this, I was like, oh, Doohan's really fucked up here. And then I actually watched it and I was like, no, okay, I'm willing to say no one really fucked up. But if anyone did, it was Sergeant. Doohan just followed the car in front of him and the car suddenly stopped. So, um, and then the last kicker of why this is just such a bad look for the sport as a whole during this thing, so there's cars have crashed at pit entry. The FIA have, within less than a minute of each other, issued two messages. The first of which was safety car to go through pit lane, which is often what you do when there's a crash on the main straight at like the start finish line. You bring the cars and safety through pit lane so they're not trying to swerve, weave through debris and all of that. And there's more space for medical workers and that and the cleanup crew to get to work. So they issued that message, which was stupid because the cars were in pit entry. So why the fuck would you drive through it? And then they sensibly corrected that less than a minute later to pit lane closed. But, like, you've issued two completely polar opposite messages. And then Dennis Hauger's team, Pramal, have then got on the radio and been like, which one are we doing? They apparently said they messaged three times to race control, being like, are we going through the pit lane? And race control said yes every time. So they came around. Dennis Hauger pulled into the pit lane, even though the boards were flashing that it was closed and everything. No one else followed him. This cycled Dennis Hauger all the way down to 12th. And then the FAA took the stance of, well, the thing said it was closed, and we issued the mess of that. So then on top of being all the way down from 1st to 12th, they got a 10-second penalty. It completely ruined his race and that. And it's just the FAA fucking sucking again, isn't it? Just completely mixed messages. Obviously, no one, everyone else was able to figure it out. But still, the fact that if his team had asked multiple times and that someone that they were talking to was saying, yes, come through, like, that's not a good enough flow of communication. 
and yeah, just everything, everything about this race just had me incensed in the moment, and it was just so fucking dumb. It was an alright race when it was actually going, but it wasn't going for all that much, and then we'll get to it, and then, then we saw the other flip side of where if people don't drive into the wall every seven seconds, and you know, that... It's apparently not that great of a track anyway, because fucking nothing happened in the feature race. And how many times can you say that in an F2 weekend? So it's just, it's a stupid eggs track. It shouldn't exist on the calendar. It's not going to go anywhere, because Saudi Arabia is paying lots of money, and it's highly lucrative to farm. But it's just, it's so fucking dumb that this track exists. And, like, if this was, you know, if this was a track in Spain or... Germany or something, there's no way it would fly and the FIA and everyone would be cool with it because Spain and Germany can't give them $10 million a year to let the race be there. So there's just... Yeah. That's all I have to say. Some interesting things happened in this race, but on the whole, it was a fucking joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you make uh, fine points, Matthew. You make a selection of fine points one after another. The geopolitical situation... Naturally. Yeah, we'll get into it on more... Fuck off, mate. We'll get into it in more detail in our flagship show, ROTG, later on. We're recording later today. Um, we're not experts on the matter, but we're going to you know, delve in a little bit. In terms of the track itself, yeah, look. We talked about this last year when it debuted. There are certain points uh, um, along the track, as especially turn one. That crush, it's too, it's too narrow. It's far too I narrow. I thought it was a little bit better this year. Yeah, but you still, you look at the overhead strange. view and you see all these cars coming into a, oh, yeah. a thin, snaking kind of chicane. Cars are going off track all the fucking time. Like, it, it's not a great look. And then you've got those uh, high-speed blind chicanes further up the track as well that are just fucking dangerous. And I think you make a good point about the lack of... um. I forget what the actual term is, it, but yeah, how how long it takes marshals to clear the track, like Monaco service roads. Service right? roads, yeah, the lack of service roads. That's a very fair point. I don't know why a, a modern and recently built track wouldn't have such facilities installed. But what confuses me is these are all the same problems that we had last time, and they didn't fix any. Yes, I don't know if that's because uh, they don't they don't care. Yeah. Perhaps the scheduling thing as well, like they had it so quickly, because obviously Saudi Arabia nearly, I think it was the second last race last season, and now it's the second race yes. this season. So it's not like they've had a whole year to fix the track. Three and a half months though, so... True, and they did allegedly uh, increase line of sight through some of the high-speed chicanes, but that obviously hasn't fucking helped. So I yeah, I, I think it's pretty irresponsible of the FAA to go about it the way they have. Uh, which is, yeah, it's it's a shame. I don't want to take away from Liam Lawson's victory, though. For him to keep his cool through three safety restarts and still, you know, drive consistently and maturely throughout was impressive, and that was a very impressive victory. So shout-out to Liam Lawson. On, I, was th I want to talk about the Hauger thing first. On the, the Hauger thing, so was this the, the first restart or the second restart? Second. This is the second right. restart. This was 14 laps in. There was only six laps. There. Yeah, six yeah, laps yeah, yeah. It happened, sorry. He he made he came into the pits with like like two laps after the crash, so it probably would have been mm -hmm. like lap eight that he pitted, 
And it didn't restart to that 14 yet. And Pre- Premer claimed that they checked three times with the FAA, can we pit him, or can we go through the pit lane, should we go through the pit lane? And either there was no response or they got a positive response. And then every other team apparently knew that yeah, you're not going through the pit lane. That's not happening. And as a result, he lost, I forget how many places exactly, but he went from the lead. Right. Which is and fucked. A, a 10 second penalty. Yeah, and so then he got penalized for it. And I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't see why. Like, why are you going to shove it in his face like that? You've already fucked his race. I don't... There's no way you need to give him another 10-second penalty. I mean... Oh, I don't know. That's what I That was ridiculous. Said, like... It's... It is... It, uh, it's a poor misstep from Prema. Because mm. ever, clearly everybody else... Yes. ...was obviously happy enough that the second message had come through of pit lanes closed, and that's the most recent message, that's, and the boards were showing that. But, again, it's not good enough from the FAA that... A, such missed messages sending out the message within a minute of each other, the messages of safety car and field to go through pit lane, followed by pit lane entry closed. And then, yeah, if the power premier apparently saying that they checked the three times and got confirmation of yes, come through pit lane. Yeah. Um, and so the thing my question is, was that that? Was Daruvula going to go through the pit lane as well? Because that's fully what Premier thought. Fair. And obviously Daruvula was like 10th or something. So after seeing nine other cars not go in, they were like, oh, well, um, don't come in, Jehan. Jehan Daruvula! Yeah, as I said, not a, not a great look for the FIA. And uh, it's hard. Yeah, I... I mean, I, I was almost on the side, I would argue that they could have been like, yeah, okay, this is, there's a miscommunication, let's have, can have his spot back. But yeah, I think they they didn't need to penalise him. I think It wasn't even just a 10 second, it was a 10 second stop and go penalty. Like, fucking yeah. hell, mate. <laughs> so unreasonable. So unreasonable. And then, yeah, the, the Sergeant Doohan situation. Um, fucking hell. It's like, it was like a mix of the Fittipaldi issue from last season and the Hamilton Verstappen issue from last season, both at the same circuit. Because obviously, this was off of, of a safety car restart, so the cars are all rolling. Sergeant pulls off to the left, Dewan follows him, but um, Sergeant hasn't properly pulled away just yet. He's just getting ready to do so. Uh, I think this was when Hauger was still leading and Hauger was kind of, you know, doing the whole, you know, don't pull away until yeah, the last this, second. This was, this was the first second. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm working my as, way backwards like I, a madman because I'm a fucking baller like yeah, that. Yeah, as I, as, I, as I said, this is the classic, same as same as Mugello, where, like, with the mm-hmm. F1 a couple of years back. I remember that. To really, really, really long straight, so the leader doesn't want to go to the last possible moment, but the back bunkers of the field are just trying to anticipate the restart. Yes. And yet, Dewan goes, he yeah. guns it, and he runs into Sergeant's booty in a pretty nasty oh. crash. It sounds like, see, yeah, this was, it's not, this wasn't Dewan's fault in the slightest. If it was anyone's fault, it's Sergeant's. That's not how Sergeant, the FAA Sergeant. penalized the situation. Um, they penalized Dewan. Did, did, did they? Did oh wait? Did they? Yes. I didn't. Sergeant Law, you cannot tell me that Sergeant doesn't law. Sergeant floors it, pulls out and floors it. Dylan follows him because he thinks they're going, and then Sergeant realizes, oh, no one else is going, and stops. Yeah. And Dylan goes, oh, well, I have 
three metres to stop my car, which is physically impossible, and runs into the back of him. Like, I'm not fully like, oh, that was an irresponsible thing by Sergeant and that, but, you know, like, I, I don't know how you could possibly tell me it's doing, like, Dylan just did, Dylan did exactly what Sergeant did, it's just Sergeant had no one immediately in front of him because he pulled out of the line of cars. Yeah. And thus could stop, and Dewan had Sergeant in front of him because he'd followed Sergeant. So, like, did Dewan actually get a penalty for that? Yeah, he got a three-place grid drop, which took him from starting last in the feature race to starting last. <laughs> what? Yeah. I see, because I, I don't... I need to go... Well, that's... A, oh, sorry, yeah, I, I never... As I said, I never read this. I didn't even know Hughes had been disqualified until you told me. But. Yes. Well, well, we'll get to that in a second, boys. No, uh, it is a strange one. For, I can't That's even remember. Okay, well, add that. I'm sorry. Add that to the FAA just pulling their own pants down and fucking shitting on themselves. Like, it, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so they're, sh they're shitting on themselves. Are they shitting upwards? I don't fucking is, know what... It's just... That's, I, what are the logistics of this? How is he predominantly to blame? Like, I yeah, I wouldn't have penalised either of them. I don't think there was necessarily that is literally like the the effective here. What has happened is that we're all out for a for a clifftop jog, and then you decide to um we're all yeah we're all we're all at that, and you decide as we're following your. I'm immediately behind you in this line of uh group of people that's going for a jog, and you choose to go to the left hand side. Of this tree we're coming up to, which is the the cliff bound side of it, and as a result of that, you step on like a loose bit of thing and fall down the cliff. Now you're right in front of me, and I've not seen the tree. I've just followed you to the left because I think where the path is. So I also fall down the cliff with you, <laughs> and that. But then our instructors and that go, Matt, why did you go to the left? We're gonna make you 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 know. I'm sorry. You, there are instructors you, for our jog. <laughs> Do we not know how to jog? Just, we're on a we're, we're clear we're clearly members of a sports team who's you know right this is okay yeah 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 you know? so the coaches like, remember that this is the remember the Titans run they do right like, yeah know. yeah yeah but like you, do you get my point it's like look at someone thing because I do I understand and I agree with you yeah I agree with you that makes no uh, sense. the problem I'm even the problem more is more incense now you're more incense. <laughs> Yeah, look, the problem... As some, first of all, as someone who has fallen down cliff faces before, I'm very offended, uh, but that's okay. We'll talk about that later. Now, is Jack doing cursed? No, it's been two races. Yeah, but the, a couple like, of things happened at the back end of last season as well. And it, it, it kind of screams to me a bit of Liam Lawson last year, right? Where, yeah, you can obviously tell he's quick. You can tell he could very well be a contender. But just little things happen that rob him of... And sometimes it's his own fault. And sometimes it's bad luck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, Lawson yeah. last year, one week, he would win a race. Or did win a race. I think it only happened once. One and week. Next week... He would win a race. Calm yeah, down, watch man. it. Fine. One week, he'll get a podium. Next, next week, he would fucking drive off the track and crash. The week after that, his freaking uh, electronic system would fail. You know what I mean? Yes. And there was enough bad luck and there was enough mistakes to claim majority either way if you really wanted to. And I just, I feel like Dewan's season may well end up being like that kind of thing, where he ends up middle of the pack, 
but he shows enough to stick around. That's my early prediction. That's fair. My big thing with this, because I'd almost forgotten that, um, I th- the FIA has to change this. They have to put in line... Uh, yeah, they've got to they've got to change the regulations to this because I don't know whether you saw that it it happened again on the sec it happened again on the restart from the Doohan and Sergeant crash. Porsche ran into Vesti or just yeah like, yeah minimally and enough that luckily they both escaped from it scot free. Especially in such uh, a narrow circuit like Saudi Arabia. That's the thing because we thought we've not obviously it, but it's only been a couple of years since we last it. Like there needs to be something basically being like the leader must go between this plate like that yeah. There needs to be something either outlawing the going of... Yeah, I don't know how you do it. There's got to be something either outlawing the whole anticipating the start as a backmarker, like you yourself can't start going, whether there's some kind of thing they could do where... Do you want to drink a bit louder there, mate? That's right, I'll cut it out and post. Why does it sound like you're sucking through a straw? Didn't you make yourself a coffee? Yeah, I made myself an iced coffee, and I'm using a straw to drink it. Fair enough, fair enough. I'll give you that, iced coffees. It's weird. It's weird. What, what beverages do it? Like, hot beverages. There's no hot beverage that you drink through a store. But you no. put ice cubes in a, in a hot beverage to make it the cold version of that beverage, and instantly, like, straw. Like, you don't drink Yeah, because if you try and drink it with the ice in there, the ice will slap into your face. Mate, you can drink... You don't... Okay, no, no. Because you don't, you don't drink a, you don't drink, you know, whiskey on the rocks with a straw. Uh, it, it depends on the person. So a lot of people do, but yeah, I know what you mean. Who the fuck drinks whiskey on the rocks through a straw? I'm pretty sure ninety percent of people who drink whiskey on the rocks are like. Well, for, okay, a lot of people drink rum and coke with a straw. One veteran. Yeah, a rum and coke. That's a full thing. Yeah, but oh uh, yeah, whiskey yes, on the rocks. Boys. That's a man's drink, and men don't need straws because we just fucking <laughs> we chomp the ice, we but shit I, it I'm out, still, and then we chop I'd it down say, again. I'd still say rum and coke is like at best fifty fifty for drinking it through a straw or not. Whereas like it's like probably like eighty twenty for who drinks a milk straight not with a straw or like an iced coffee. And you think like, you don't oh, drink yeah, coffee sure. with a straw, but you drink an iced coffee with a straw. You don't drink a hot chocolate with a straw, but you drink an iced chocolate with a straw, or, you know, a milkshake with a straw. It's just weird that you put ice cubes in a drink, and suddenly it gets a straw as well. Why? I guess so. Why? I never thought about it that much, you know? <laughs> um, Fair enough. But yeah, something something needs to change. I don't know whether you could have some kind of system that is triggered by once the leader actually places enough, at like, more than a couple of seconds of application to the throttle or something green lights appear on everyone else's steering wheels to indicate, okay, now it is green and, like, go, or whether it is, like, NASCAR, um, there is what, I think they said that's it, there is what's known as the restart zone or box something, like, there's a particular 100-meter stretch of track where the leader has to restart? Yeah, or just every track has to have a certain section of track that is just... Because there's no real good place to do this in the Saudi Arabia circuit. What do you mean? It's just too narrow and it's too compressed. And same with Mugello. Mugello is a similar kind of situation where it's very narrow, it's very compressed. But it's it's as simple as if you say... You know, the leader cannot restart... Like, the leader cannot restart till... Oh, within a hundred meters of the line or whatever, then all the backmarkers are going to know. Well, I have to be well out. That so if there's a specific point, because you'd know. If, okay, 
if the leader is going to be restarting at approximately here on the track within like a finite-ish window, if I'm in 20th position, then I, you know, I would be here when that happens. So you're not trying to anticipate or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I don't Something like that. has to change because yeah, it's just yeah, it's a bit ridiculous. Or whether it's as simple as we need to yeah fucking move the start finish lines for yeah. I just yeah, I don't know. These long these really long straights where there's a huge amount of straight before the start finish line and yeah. just a bit of straight after it. Where, yeah. Uh, something's got to change. So yeah, or and I'm still, I'm in so, I'm genuinely, um, in disbelief that Jack Doohan received a penalty for that, and Logan Sargent, who effectively tried to jump the restart, got no repercussions. Yeah, I mean, I don't think either of them should have gotten a penalty. I don't think Sargent's yeah, I mean, done anything wrong either. Or both of them, but at the very least, it either should be neither of them or both of them. Like it can't be. That's one fair of enough. Them. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But yeah, that obviously ended both of their races. Not a good not a great weekend for Sargent. Um, which is disappointing. Uh, not at all. Given that he uh, he did look good after that first weekend. But we'll get into winners and losers later. Some more talking points from the sprint race we mentioned earlier. Lawson did get the win ahead of I believe Yuri Vips came in second and JQ's finished third. But twas not to be I thought Vips looked fucking spectacular. Like, he had the pace all race. He was looking fucking rampant. Like, really, really impressive. But, um, in the end, it was cool, calm, composed Liam Lawson who got the win. And, yeah, JQ's got to... <laughs> yeah, we got to see JQ's up on the podium for the first time in his F2 career. It was a lovely sight, and it lasted for all of uh, 10 minutes when he had to give the trophy back. Because, unfortunately... His skirting plank was found to not be up to standard. It was found to not be up to code, Matthew. All right. Actually, no. So not skirt, uh, skid plank is actually what it's called, Matthew. Yes. Do you yes, do you know what a skid plank is? Uh roughly, yeah. Right. Would you like to describe it to me? Uh I believe it is a panel. I think it's literally just they have a plank under the car. I believe it is just the plank they have under the cars to either protect some of the underneath and that fact, but or it's just the thing they've literally put on the cars to sit underneath like the main floor and that to make them bottom out and make the sparks and they go over yep. bumps and that. Bang on perfect. Is. Nailed it, mate. Yeah. And it it's has to be... completely useless piece of car. Do you know... to get penalised for. Do you know how thick it has to be? Uh, I do not. Hmm. It has to be a minimum of five millimeters thick, as per the regulations. Hughes's was three point six millimeters. Now, evidently, some bloke has whipped out a goddamn tape measure, taken a look at his fucking skid plank, and told him, "Nah, sorry, mate, not today. Fuck your debut podium. You're fucked." So we had to give his first ever F two podium over to Felipe Dragovic, who had driven pretty well to find himself in P four there. Fuck me, that's heartbreaking. But I wanted to say, JQ should look very, very quick throughout the first couple of weekends. Will Will he finish in the top half of the driver championship this season? I think so. I think that's hmm. a very reasonable shout. I think I'm I'm honestly with that because I've always been a fan of JQ's. He was that's the thing. He made like probably that he was in HWA in F3 in the same season as Dylan, and I believe might have been Schumacher. 
Oh, wow. Schumacher or something? Um, not Mick. Ralph's son, the other Schumacher. Um, I don't know. But yeah, Doohan Doohan just like, Doohan didn't score a single point in his first season in F3 of that. Hughes had at least a A win, possibly a couple of wins, and was more or less up there in that. And, you know, filled in a couple of races last year. He did a couple of races, or A race, a couple of races in F2 the year before and that. And I like Hughes. Hughes Hughes is absolutely, he's not, he's not someone, Hughes is, never going to the top of a totem pole or anything. Like, that's not even remotely in question. But he's a really good junior category driver. So I'm really enjoying this. Jake Hughes is getting a chance to show just how good he is. Because he is. He's really good. He's, yeah. he's good enough to be a top half of the field driver in F2. Yeah. Um, so I'm ecstatic for him for the pace he is showing. So yes, I think he would. And yeah, it was a very good restart himself, so it's just one of those things. Couldn't make the tires last. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Vips and Lawson were both on the medium, so they just kind of yeah, had the pace towards the end. Else was. Now, you've just yeah. mentioned his name. I am i don't know whether or not it is in your notes. I know you've already touched on how impressed you were by the maturity of Lawson's drive. Yes. Uh, but Vips had the drive of the day on the Saturday, I reckon. He Agreed. so racy. He was so rampant, mate. He was rampant. That I assume you're ready, already early, early contender for pass of the season. He's oh. only got one overtake out of it, but the three wide into the last corner oh. with Armstrong and Awasa, which got him past Armstrong, briefly past Awasa, but it netted him properly past Armstrong. And then did yep. he get Awasa down into turn one anyway, or? Yeah, no, it, it's, according to the F2 no, report, no, no. it is noted as a double overtake. Which, yeah, uh, maybe it overtaken it half. I, personally, though, I would say it was, uh, well, it was overtake of the season, we'll get to it when we talk that, but overtake of the season for all of well, exactly one day until he, he outdid himself. <laughs> but, uh, Dude, he was just pulling off audacious moves all weekend. Like, you'd give him a pass. You'd give these drivers a pass for being a bit cautious in Saudi Arabia, given that it's just fucking, it's taking heads left, right, and center. But if you have to think of a fuck, he just upped the ante every single goddamn time. He's like, yeah, I'll just be braver. I'll be brave. I'll go around the outside. I'll go down the inside. I'll send it. I'll dive it. Who gives a shit? Let's go. I'm Yuri Vips, goddammit. Still going to send it. <laughs> send it. Um, yeah, he, that was fucking so nice, man. That was so, so nice. It was. Uh, but a bit more of the fallout there. The fallout New Vegas from the sprint. Cordial had a bit of a crash. And his car was so damaged that he would not be able to race in the feature, which is obviously a truly shocking blow to fans of the sport. Um, I didn't actually watch the feature just because I mean, can't see my boy Amori Cordial race. It was fucking heartbreaking. Oh, you didn't miss anything, so that's okay. <laughs> that's a lie. I did watch it, and it was dull. Uh, Ralph Boschung, who had a shit weekend in race trim, was given a 20-second time penalty after it was found that he was in front of his starting grid position before lights went out, which um, <laughs> which took him from P8 in the sprint to P15, which gave... I'm wondering why he was classed as P15. Yeah, which gave Derivola P7 and Marino Sato points in P8. Wow. Oh, I have, I have Marino Sato as a middling winner of the sprint race because he got a point. <laughs> we love to see it. We love to fucking see it. But uh, that's all I had to say from the sprint race. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to point out. Dragovic no, did look no. very good. We've we've touched on everything. Splendid. Uh, uh, so I get on to what will be probably the shortest feature race recap I ever give. 
Oh, let's do it, mate. Let's do it. All right, so the speed race was so nondescript that I don't even have a note pertaining to the start of the race because I don't know whether anyone actually gained a position at the start. <laughs> they just all seem to end up... Lawson, Lawson passed... Armstrong. Armstrong, yeah. Like maybe turn four or something. Battle of the but Kiwis, like, no mate. One, no one got a blinder start. No one got a fucking shocking one. Literally, my first note is... um. Deruvula put a great pass on Nassani and Williams. I think that was another one of the ones into the final corner, and he took mm-hmm. a two-for-one. This was, this was Deruvula starting from P14, I think, on the grid, yeah. Yes, very, very early sign of what was going to come in the race for Deruvula. Uh, mm-hmm. Boshong decided to start his impersonation of himself with no tire life and falling back even earlier than normal. He was going backwards <laughs> before fucking lap five. Although, in fairness, he started on the softs, and this was much more... Unlike Bahrain, where the softs lasted crazy forever... This was a quintessential. The softs, you're typically going to want to jump back off them pretty quickly once the pit window opens up. Mm-hmm. And Boshong definitely needed that. We're about five or six laps in when we're about to be getting to these pit stops. Porsche, his weekend of misery then continued. He had another mechanical failure, uh, a box of neutrals, as uh, Alex Brundle put it. Shout out to our fellow F1 podcast, Box of Neutrals. Yep. Always nice to see oh, you. Yeah, uh, definitely. Get shouted definitely out, shouted out by the commentators. Definitely peers uh, uh, equals yeah. to us. Maybe, I don't know if McDoohan's been liking their post on Instagram, though, so, you know, we might be a step ahead of them at this point. Well, um, famous famous podcast host, Matthew Hume, once sent in a question to Boxing Neutral, <laughs> so they have some pretty big-time followers. <laughs> and then pissed offs are happening, and all in the same sort of lap of people pitting, um, we got a few different things. It should also be said, uh, the slow, the alternate strategy runners of the guys who were running the mediums was Dennis Hauger from P10, Novak, uh-huh. Dewan, uh, Logan Sargent, and Ollie Caldwell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so pit stops were happening, and then uh, poor old Liam Lawson, who, as we've said up until this point, easily the most consistent driver, looking very poised in this year's championship, decided to throw it back to 2021 Liam Lawson and have something go wrong through no fault of his own as they failed to put all three of... All four, three? They three? Only, they, oh, yeah, fuck. They, only put, they only put three of his wheels on properly. <laughs> like, we saw this a bunch in Bahrain, and it's still continuing. Liam Lawson pulls away. He's not got his front left properly attached. Boom, he is out of the race. And very, so, very at the same angry. Time, it didn't get any. It didn't get any real mention on the broadcast night. I think everyone was like, that. but um, do you agree? Like, Vips, Vips felt Vips came out of the pits way lower than he should have, right? Like he came <sighs> out way behind a bunch of cars he went in from because he came in from what like P three or something. Um, Not too sure. Maybe I'm the only one that noticed it, but like. Because when Vips came out, he was almost last, and that's the thing. Vips was running, I'm pretty sure, Vips was running significantly, because Vips ended up finishing 10th. He got one point. Now, yeah. Doohan and Hauger both finished ahead of him with the alternate try to that, which if you want to say, because they, they worked the turn that team, that puts Vips 8th. Vips was higher than 8th when he pitted. Vips was 2nd. He was literally only behind Lawson when the pit sequence started. Right. So I'm positive. Was he stuck behind Liam for a bit? No, 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 not at all. No, look at that. So I'm positive that um he must have had a slow stop. It just never got touched on. I see. Okay. I literally I remember when I was watching, I was something like, Vips is now down behind, like, Fittipaldi and, like, Boshong, who'd been going backwards at it. So whether it's just because he ran a bit longer and he got severely undercut, but then other guys didn't. So 
I don't know. I feel like something, and because I feel like something happened there and it ruined his race. Because again, he looked super racy coming, fighting his way back to get that point. He pulled a great two for one move. Well, I can't think of the first guy he got past one. But he went up the inside of someone into tur in the final corner. Fittipaldi also ran a bit wide in that final corner, the next car up, and that meant Vitz got a run on him and took him into turn one. But yeah, he was only able to climb back to 10th. Uh, Hauger used the strategy running out the front for a long time, and I think he finished about 6th in the end? Yeah, he was leading for quite a while. That alternate strategy and was definitely the right call because the mediums were quite racy. Dylan was able to get to P9, and yeah, yeah, that was literally yeah. it. Dragovic won the race in very dominant fashion. Uh, we got to see a good drawback once again. Felipe Dragovic, the harder compound tyres go on, and Felipe Dragovic comes out to play. He is just a master of getting those tyres to come up to speed and work and drive it. Yeah, Dragovic just always comes alive on the harder yep. compound of tyres. But yeah, literally, that was it. Fuck all happened in this race. Dragovic won. Vestor was second. Daruvala from P14 finished P3. Great yep. drive. Only thing that was really notable, I, I see, was that one really great overtake on Nassani and Williams. But he just, yeah, just consistently moved up through the field. Uh, the rest of the results from the feature race was uh, Jake Hughes in a really great fourth place. Armstrong, yeah. it should be said, Armstrong Armstrong also spun towards the end of the sprint race. So we're continuing to see the ups and downs of the life of Marcus Armstrong, the F2 driver. Kyle was <laughs> sixth, Owasa seventh, Nassani a notable eighth, I guess. Doing ninth, Vips last of the points. Fittipaldi just missed out. Sargent almost recovered from obviously having the poor starting place because of the qualifying thing to 12th. Williams was another one who ended up way lower than what he had been after the pit cycle. He was only 13th. Boshong just went backwards in an alarming rate of knots and finished 15th. He had a um, shit weekend, man. <laughs> Vesti spun out right before the end of the race and obviously Porsche and Lawson failing to finish. In Can we end, talk about least... Frederick Vesti, please? What's there to talk about? He's mate, yeah, mate, mate. Uh, stern dad, on. stern dad face on. This guy, this fucking guy, Mercedes Academy driver. He's a four-time Formula Three race winner. Okay, four-time yeah. race winner in F three. A perennial contender down there. He looks like a fucking donkey out there, mate. He looks like a fucking donkey. Like well, we've, that's yeah. We've seen we've seen guys. Not not everyone. Takes because these these cars are bit much are significantly bigger. I'd honestly argue that in certain aspects, the gap between an F two car and an F one car is almost less than the gap between a F three car yeah. and an F two car. These cars I, are so much bigger. For sure, bigger. for sure, for sure. But again, you sink or you swim. I mean, if you got Callan Williams out there, you know, putting in putting in nice laps, I'm qualifying. Kind of I'm starting to think. That's a thing. Obviously, my only ability to place an opinion on Callum Williams is based off the results now. But as I said, Callum Williams drove for Yenza Motorsport in F3, which is a team yeah. that's only in F3. So, yeah, there is... Right, but... There's the same number of teams. There's, there's, oh, sorry, there's, there's one less team in F3 than there is in F2. F2 has 11 teams of two cars. F3 has 10 teams of three cars. The bonus team in F2 is... Well, it's either Dems or you and I, and then F3 has Yenza, whereas F2 has the other of Dems and you and I, and then the other nine teams in both categories are identical. They have teams in both, uh, both divisions. Yeah. But Yenza is, I think, much more like, kind of like a dead, that's it. That's a smaller operation. They don't get a lot of notable results. And Callum Williams had some all right solid drives as an upper sort of mid-packer, and I'm starting to wonder whether... 
yeah, that was okay. What was the the actual notable thing there was Callum Williams was getting almost points finishes in a car that his teammates were driving around in, you know, the 20s, whereas he was finishing 12. Fair. Well, the comparison here oh, is Theo Porcher. Theo Porcher has won a race, and Vesti's a backmarker in the same car. Porcher has a whole extra season under his belt. Sure, 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 sure. Maybe, you know. It will but be, if, I'm, yeah, more, I, I'm more concerned with seeing what Vesti does in the back half of this season, and what he. I imagine he'll be on the grid next season, so what he does next season. That's where the talent will truly shine. Like, by the back half of this season, I'd at least want him to be, you know... But with so many talented youngsters coming through, is there an yeah. is there room to be shit for a year? I don't think so. I don't think Novelak yes. stays in the category for this season if he keeps doing what he's doing at the moment. But Novelak's not an academy driver, so I think... Sure, yeah, yeah, he's got the Mercedes support. Do Mercedes see this and think, well, fuck me, he's not good enough. Let's drop Possibly his not, ass and pick up. Mercedes don't have anyone else... Um, up at a higher level in their academy, so... Fair enough. Pick up Felipe Drogovic. Maybe, yeah. Um, I still think... I think there's a spot for Vesti in that, because you've got to look. We've seen him with other other guys. Not that, but, like... You look at the night and day... Like, Vashore was a good midfield driver. Vashore's starting to almost look like he's a championship contender this season. <laughs> yeah, in a try. That's a huge leap forward in his ability. Mick Schumacher won, I believe, one sprint race in his first year in F2, and otherwise was largely very, very middle of the pack, and then won the championship. That's fair. Like, That's plenty, fair. Of, plenty of guys have taken a little bit of a time to settle with the sport, and then, like, Mazepin, I believe, really struggled in his first year when he was in ART, and then moved to high tech. And was a championship contender for a lot of the season and finished fifth in that year before he moved up to Formula One. So we've seen guys not have a great... Actually, that's the other thing. This is the old... Um, it's my continuing thing. Only one driver from ART can actually be good. Right, Going okay. way back for four years, De Vries won the championship in an ART and Mazepin had an absolutely fucking shocking season. Lundgaard was a, just about a championship contender for ART... And Marcus Armstrong, after starting really great and having podiums and the Austrian rounds, just could never get anything right for the rest of the year. Porsche was up and about the title fight, up after the contender, and Lungard seemed to inherit Garbage. all the bad luck that Armstrong had had the previous season. And now again, Porsche title contender, and Vesti looks like he doesn't belong. Only one Fair RT enough. is allowed to be good. Fair enough, and fair Porsche enough, we'll give him some time. What'll happen here is Porsche is almost likely definitely going to graduate from F2 at the end of this season. Uh, meaning Vesti, if he stays, Vesti will suddenly become the experienced guy in the AT. All of a sudden, Vesti will come out next season and be absolutely bossing it, and bloody Victor Martins is going to look like a joke of a driver. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But, I mean, look, if we're talking winners and losers of the weekend, Vesti's definitely not in the fucking winners column, is he? He'd, he'd, no, he'd be a, he'd be a loser. He's yes. Like, well, if we want to talk winners and losers, let's talk winners and losers. Let's talk victors and duds. You know, fucking limes yeah, and right. lemons. Let's talk about it. Well, I don't know whether you agree with me. I think there's two two very obvious winners of the weekend, and then I've got one guy in a sort of subcategory in between winners and like a notable notable like in between like guys guys who had a solid week a notably solid weekend not you know like no one gives a fuck about Nasani finishing 12th and 10th or whatever 
not a Brit. And then not absolute. But yeah, Drogovic and Mashore, I think, comfortably the two winners of the weekend. I have them written down as winners in every single session of the weekend. They were winners in qualifying, they were winners in the sprint race, and they were winners in the feature race. Yeah, it's all pretty fucking bang on accurate. Well, absolutely. Drogovic now leads the championship as well, we should say. Yeah. I think the short's crazy. Yeah, because Lawson was leading after the sprint race, and then once, obviously, yes. the, the feature came in in that 25-point haul, or 27, because obviously, oh, actually, I don't know. Tw- two for pole, 25 for the win, and he finished yes. third in the sprint. So what's that, six points? Six. Fuck, I've yeah. nailed it. So, yeah, the mandem is just oh, a- accumulating points. So he leads, Lawson second, Richard Vashore is indeed third, just two points behind Liam and four points ahead of Yuri Vips in fourth, ahead of Porsche, Deruvala, Armstrong, Boshong, Hughes, and Ayuma Wawasa in tenth. I don't think these point standings are completely correct on the website because it oh. says he has, it says Drogovic has 43 points, which... By my by, what the points he's been given, which is four points, eight points, six points, twenty five, that is indeed forty three points. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's not giving him points for pole, and I'm not seeing people mm. have points for fastest lap. I'm very confused. Good point. Um, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, for this week they're not because yeah, remember Jack Dewan Jack Dewan got three points for Sunday um, at Bahrain, which was his two points for his pole and one point because he was the last guy in the points. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. But Drogovic does not have 27 points. Colony confused. Ah, Colony confused. I reckon you should uh, write a strongly worded letter to Stefano Domenicali demanding recompense for Felipe Drogovic. But but the big thing I say, I'm liking this. I think this change to the Saturday points and taking a little bit less importance to the sprint race on Saturday and putting the importance on the feature race. I think it is a system that is working because we've seen Dragovic come out, big feature race win, vaults him to the top of the standings. Teo Porsche has literally only finished and scored in the feature race that he won, but he's still fifth in the standings with 25 points, and he's less than 10 points behind Lawson. So, like, yeah. it's all about how you qualify and how you go on Sundays. That is what is going to win this championship, which I think is good. Fucking nice. Fucking nice. Yeah, no. Um, other... Other winners. So my, my guy in between the two sort of categories, I don't know whether you'd agree with this. I think I wouldn't quite call Daruvala an absolute winner of the weekend, but he was certainly more than like a, a notable solid because like he didn't have the best qualifying, but he still turned it around. He got decent points in the sprint race and then brilliant drive to third in the feature. Yeah. Is Jehan Daruvala the most inconsistent man on the planet? Because next no, week... No, Marcus Armstrong. Next week he'll be garbage. You watch. Next week he'll qualify fourteenth and just stay fourteenth. Where did I have him listed? Did I have him? What did I? I didn't have him as a loser of Bahrain. I didn't have him written down for anything. He was just completely nondescript in Bahrain. Jayhan. Um. Yeah, middling middling guys of the weekend. Obviously Lawson. Lawson was definitely a winner in the sprint race. Was there or thereabouts in the qualifying, but then obviously disaster of a Sunday. Vips, who looked the best driver in the sprint race, and I could, in my head, I just remembered how well he drove and recovered in the feature race, and I thought he got up a lot higher than 10th, but it was only 10th, so he was oh, arguably the fastest guy on the track again in the feature race. Oh, he's passing the eye test. He's definitely passing the uh, eye test. 
Awasa, Awasa just a really uh, winner of qualifying. Qualifying was it six in the end. Uh-huh. Uh, but a bit more middling in his two races, but still brought home good bag of points. I think Hughes, a definite, very a weekend he'd be more than happy with. And Armstrong, at the end of the day, Armstrong had an all right race in the one that counts on the Sunday. Yeah, uh, Armstrong yeah. is actually, he's, uh, he's gone 0-10, zero, 0-10. Ten, zero, ten, so he's uh, sticking yeah. true to form. Very nice. Um... Nice. Yeah, the, the the five guys who I think are the losers that matter of the weekend and that like I've not I didn't write Vesti down as a loser of the weekend because because I'm like actually he's not important enough to qualify. But Dennis Hauger because mm, disagree for all of he's how what disagree that Vesti shouldn't be written down or disagree that Hauger's a loser. All right, I think I think Hauger obviously through circumstances. Yeah, but that that what makes it yeah. that's a thing. Dennis Hauger but should have had. I have him as a, I have him as a winner because he did show the pace this weekend that he didn't show in Bahrain. He showed that okay, he can lead a race, he can drive yeah, through the pack, he can make overtakes. But I, he's got a bit I of talent about it. He's I, got a he's, bit of some some. Oh, but that's a bit like I'm I'm purely basing this on yeah, how yeah, they've actually sure. like the results that have been. And because I think Hauger had a solid enough qualifying of getting the tenth, but then yeah. Should have had a sprint race win that no vote his own got robbed for him, but that's still that's a huge loss for him there. And then he was back to being a little bit middling in the feet. Oh, not middling. He had a good oh, drive good in the feature race. Not a not a brilliant, brilliant result. He wasn't quite strong enough to. I've seen guys from worse spots on the grid turn the alternate strategy into a race win, and he was only able to manage six. So it was solid, but not truly spectacular. And so for where he, we thought he'd be, I still at Boshong. Mm-hmm. Probably the most on-track impressive loser because he lost purely through having literally fuck all pace. Again, winner of qualifying. Also, really no, also the twenty-second time penalty. Oh, the twenty-second the... penalty. But I'd be arguing from where he qualified, um, and that and got at the start. I I thought he was poor even to come home eighth in the sprint race. That's fair. Yeah. No. He he then, um he got done in by a fair few people. That, and then he was woeful in the feature race and then obviously the three obvious ones for that doing sergeant and Porsche, the three guys who basically didn't get to qualify two of them were caught up in the incident on the sat day and Porsche had too big of a gap to overcook i'm sure i honestly reckon Porsche possibly could have found his way to points if this had been a prop- more clean race but with only eight laps of green flag option Porsche never a chance to get into the points uh and then obviously uh Porsche Mechanical on the Sunday. Sergeant couldn't quite alternate strategy up. Doing did go really good, but only got one point out of it. So for all three of them who were doing into Porsche. All th- well, no, Doing got Porsche, three Porsche, points. Doing got three oh, points. Oh, sorry, he did got three points because he came ninth and he had fastest line. Figure it but the yeah, fuck Porsche, out, you dog. I mean, but yeah, Porsche, obviously preseason championship favourite. Doing, I imagine, is a guy who sees himself as a championship contender. And Sergeant probably sees himself about there. So yeah, for all three of those guys who are upper echelon, drivers in the field in theory, and they've come away with a collective three points from the weekend between them. Yeah. yeah easy, easy losers. Yeah, that's fair. Very fair. Um, I'll, I'll go a big winner, MP Motorsport. Thankfully, thanks to Felipe Djokovic for getting that win. They are now third and equal, actually they're equal second with Carlin in the Constructors' Championship on 43 Ooh, points. Right. Tried in a fourth. Also a big winner. Mate, 
We are, we've been so honest with the way they're looking. Yeah. And I know it's mostly all been for sure so far. But, like, I literally just looked at it and I was like, Williams feels like he's scored more than five points for this season. I oh, know. He's looked pretty good. Because he's only, he's only scored in the one race because he's had start. That's the thing. He should have scored in the feature race in Bahrain, but had the fucking pit stop error from the team. Yeah. And then he was held his spot nicely in the sprint race here and then was doing all right in the feature race. And then again, I don't know what went wrong in the pit stop, but that fell him down the pack. So Williams points, more points come Williams. Yeah, Trident, I think, honestly. Uh, a little bit of something, yeah, something yeah. about him. Like Premier with only 33 points right now is crazy. Well, it's Virtuosi with seven points down the bottom there in 10th. That's the standout. Oh yeah, but I we all we both thought Virtuosi would fall back a lot because we thought Doom was one of the probably in, in his first season of F two we figured Doom would possibly be one of the weaker lead drivers of the top teams and Sardo comfortably the worst driver of the world. Yes, absolutely. Um, whereas on paper we both we were both happy to agree that we thought Prema had the best lineup. We we with one of the correct. strongest returning drivers in Derivola and probably the best rookie in Hauga. So I'd Premier in fifth is the surprise for me. I, I think that yeah, look, um, they they will bounce back. I think they'll get there towards the end. But I, I underwhelming am a little bit as well. Envisioning with... a Prema Carlin high tech tri- a Prema Carlin high tech uh, triple threat for the constructors championship further down the line. I would say that's fair. I honestly I think if Dragovic is able to continue for this pace, I think MP. Well, MP will fall back because I just Novelak don't think... Novelak is shit, mate. Yeah, yeah Novelak's not bringing anything to the table, and it's a tough ask for... Uh, if for, for MP to finish any better than fourth, Dragovic has to be the guy who wins the championship, I think. That's the only way I can see him contributing enough points to outscore one of the other teams just by himself. Which brings me to my uh, final loser of the weekend, and that's... Uh, it's you, Matt. Because I'm afraid to say you were a season early on your Felipe Drogovic prediction. Look at the man go. Well, he just it's it's he's he's better at MP. He won <laughs> he's now won four four F two races in his career. Yeah, got a great set of hair as well, some won, nice locks. He won three in his rookie season. And yeah, it's it just he's a man who belongs at MP Motorsport. That's where things go best for him. Fucking oath. Good for Felipe Drogovic and his beautiful set of luscious hair. Now, I'm going to call it here. Matthew, I hope you've had a lovely afternoon recording. Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Splendid. Only halfway there, mate. Game face is on. Let's fucking go. You Indeed. can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the fun shit. Check out the Instagram at Online Hub Media, all lowercase, for some good quality content that Mick Doohan likes to uh, dabble in every now and then. As does Ralph Boshung, the man himself, friend of the show, Ralph Boshung. I've been Jashan. Thank you very much. Peace. Never managed to memorize the fourth, the third line of the um thing from the movie podcast time. It's podcast time, nice, cool runnings. <laughs> <laughs>